0: Is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960
1: The Fan. All right, let's get another hour going. It is Tuesday, November 21st. This hour of Flames Talk is underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Steinberg along with you on a Tuesday. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Busy hour coming your way. And we'll kick it off on a Tuesday this hour like we do any Tuesday hour. And uh, that's with our buddy Frank Saravali. It's time for our Daily Face-Off NHL Insider. Brought to you by Self-Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailExports.com. Frank joins us now. Freshly back from Stockholm, Sweden, and the NHL Global Series. He joins us from Daily Face-Off and dailyfaceoff.com offcom Hello, Frank. How are we doing
2: today? Pat, I'm good. How are you? Happy to be back on uh, U.S. soil.
1: What did you call me earlier? A need ball? Was that was that? Yeah,
2: look, he was texting me as usual to line up the Tuesday hit. Hey, are we doing the normal time? And I didn't respond in 34 seconds. So he had some snark for me and I called him a need ball. (laughs) I just wanted
1: to make sure that we were good. I, you know, sometimes you're uh, you're your here, here. Let me read for everyone
2: not to not to pull a Tim <laughs> Peel here. But let me read for you the private message that he sent me. Please and do. He said, so it was one hour and twelve minutes that I didn't respond to him. I happened to Which be is an in eternity two, for me. Two parent teacher conferences for my kids, and he says to me, <laughs> "I feel cheap and neglected." <laughs>
1: I just wanna I thought that we had an open relationship. That's an
2: ab- an absolute need ball. <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm sure you do feel cheap and neglected sometimes. Well,
1: that's probably not, not by me. That's probably not your fault, to be perfectly honest yeah. with you. Uh, it's good to have you on at your regular time. I'm glad that uh, we could make it work. Um, hey, what uh I, I'm I'm we, we start most of our hits talking about the flames and here Calgary is they've done a nice job of starting to get out from under the hole that they dug themselves mm-hmm. and, and start to climb out of that two, seven and one hole. They had to start the year. I'm what What's your sense in terms of if that has changed their approach to potential UFAs and how they're going to go about things? Has it, should it? I'm curious as to what you're hearing and what your feel is on that.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think a lot has changed. I mean, it certainly seems to me like when you take a bigger look at the Western Conference playoff picture that it's a straight-up pillow fight for the Wild Cards and will be probably all season because there's a lot of mush there. You've got the yeah. Coyotes, the Preds. I'd imagine Minnesota will start playing better hockey soon. The Kraken are there. The Ducks are back to earth after you know a string of games where they looked really good. The Oilers are still just an absolute mess and the flames have started to figure it out. But here we sit nearly at a, at the quarter mark of the season, they're under 500 and could they stretch and reach and turn it around and play better and become a playoff team? Yes. I think universally I believe this and, and I'm I'm sure other people do as well that the collection of this team as parts is better than what they've shown, but I think on a really macro level, they—the truth is, even if they get in, like everyone always says, well, anything could happen. Right. I don't hold that belief. Like I, I think you have to really be a true threat, and I think this team is a long way from that. And in that case, as good as the feels have been the last week or ten days there's a big separation, a big gulf between those two things. And I think what you want to be is a, you want to have an eight to 10 year window of sustained chance to win. And that doesn't mean make the playoffs. It means win a Stanley cup. Right. And what? so that's why I think the overall plan, it, it, it shouldn't change at some point there should be a, a for sale sign on the lawn where you can, pick through the roster on a yard sale type variety and then use those assets to go out and get what you need.
1: That's kind of what has, has popped into my head and, and was even talking about this after their overtime win in Seattle on Monday. You know, yes, they have gotten themselves back into the mix and, and they are far closer to the playoff conversation than they were before. But, you know, look at what, I, I think about what Nashville did last year where they traded away, what, four players that were pending UFAs and four important players on their team. Yeah, and, it was an
2: amazing story, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to David Poyle about his deadline after yeah. that. And he said, well, I started out wanting to trade five guys, so it wasn't really quite as successful as I had hoped. And I was like, well, who's the fifth guy? And he's like, I can't tell you that. He's still here. <laughs>
1: You didn't get to the bottom of that, did you?
2: I mean, it wasn't really that hard to put together. The well, and
1: and they stayed right in it. In fact, they were the team that eliminated Calgary from playoff contention last year in that shootout win and I just I I wonder if that's not a potential model the Flames could follow between here and the trade deadline. Trade away your UFAs, get good returns on them, maybe get some young NHLers that you can plug into the lineup right away as part of that trade return hopefully stay competitive. You know, the St. Louis did it. I think in uh, the, uh, just before the 2018 trade deadline, just missed the playoffs and Nashville did it at last year's trade deadline, just missed the playoffs. You stay competitive. You, you aren't completely tearing something down to the studs, but you're also looking at it a little bit more pragmatically and getting some assets for players that probably aren't going to be part of your future. It just, that that's, that's what some, that some sort be of the a place to both worlds, right? Yeah. That's a good playbook.
2: And I think it's doable. And I think, look at the Vancouver Canucks, and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. The way they managed last year's deadline, trading Bo Horvat and then taking that first round pick that they acquired and packaging it to get Philip Aronik, look at how much he's changed their blue line. Yeah. You've got a steady partner for Quinn Hughes for the foreseeable future. He's a younger guy that fit their age scheme. He had a half a point per game in 300 career NHL games. His name kind of wasn't really out there. And the backstory to that is actually interesting. Like they had expressed interest in heronic you know, maybe a year before that. And Detroit kept that filed away and basically came to them in short order. This is the Coles Notes version uh, and said, Hey, do you still like Philip Heronic And they said, Yes. And they said, OK, well, here's what we want. And if you do the deal and say yes, we, we'll trade him and we'll shop him anywhere else, and that's the exact type of you know plug and play method this the Flames should be using. I first off, I don't think the Calgary market has the stomach for a full down to the studs rebuild. I don't think ownership has a an appetite for down to the studs, and I don't think you need to because here's the other truth of the rebuild game that no one really wants to say out loud that I think is incredibly important. We don't have any proof yet that the full teardown works. Who's actually done it and has made it out to the other side and won a Stanley Cup?
1: The closest well, ones that I can think of, just as you, as you say that, would be, I mean, Chicago for so long, Colorado recently, and... Some
2: of those were by accident. No one has really actually... Like in, purposely... in terms of the full
1: tank mode type thing? Yes, yeah, yeah, no one has actually fair.
2: purposely gone and done it and 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 full-on traded away all of their pieces for the distinct purpose of being bad and then has made it all the way back and yep. won. No one's done it. And no one's willing to say that part out loud. Yeah, I don't know why that is. But there's way more examples that you can point to And I'll give you uh, two, and they're really competitive right now, are the LA Kings and the New York Rangers. Yep. They both admitted that they were going to tear it down. They didn't go all the way because you couldn't, based on some of the contracts that they had. And they're back now right in the mix. And of the – whatever your number is, Pat, mine's like eight teams – Eight teams with an authentic chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. Both of them are in there.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's your read? I know that you, you check in with, with the Flames. You check in with Craig Conroy from time to time. And you check in with other executives, agents, all that type of stuff. What's your read if if Flames remain competitive? just trying to
2: name sources.
1: Well, I just you've you've told us before that you've checked in with Craig Conroy, so I figured that was No, I
2: I don't I don't think I've ever mentioned any names.
1: I feel like you check in with lots of executives around the league. So. I
2: talk to everyone.
1: Yeah. So that's Or try to. So as you as you talk to different people around the league, what's your what's your feel and what's your overall um just ballpark on If the Flames are competitive and these guys haven't signed, do you think that they make those moves? Do you think that they trade those players away?
2: I do. I think they have to. And I think sooner rather than later would be better for that exact reason. One, it gives you more time to assess the rest of the market and whether or not you'd like to use the assets in your arsenal now to then go after someone else that may be available. And two, it prevents you from getting into that situation where you're unsure of what to do. Yeah. Just rip the Band-Aid off. And if your team stays competitive in the meantime, like you were talking about with Nashville, or you know, pick another team that's really exceeded expectations after having pieces removed, it doesn't typically happen, then great. And that's a side benefit and Mm -hmm. it'd be an awesome thing for your market to dive into and your fan base to really get behind.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, last one on the Flames, do you get the sense that the uh, just overall interest and buzz around these players has started to pick up as we move towards the quarter point of the season?
2: I do. I mean, I think there's been lots of calls. I think there's been everyone that's kind of, fished around and had vague expressions of interest and the classic tire kickers. But I, to my knowledge, I don't think the flames have had anything to come down the pike yet where they, they haven't even had to think. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that just is the nature of where we're at. It's November 21st and not every team is in ad mode yet. They just aren't. And there's a lot of teams that want to see if they could buy on the cheap based on a trade request that might have been out there or whatever it is that spurs that conversation. And the Flames are like, no, no, we, we know what our guys are worth. Thanks for calling.
1: Mm-hmm. We are chatting with NHL insider Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. He joins us Tuesdays here on Flames Talk. So that's the Calgary story. You mentioned off the top that the mess just continues in Edmonton. What uh, what next? Like, what, what is the next shoe to drop there as they've now lost two straight under their new head coach, Chris Knobloch? Is there another shoe to drop with this Oilers team if the coaching change doesn't you know, really noticeably help right the ship?
2: I think there has to be. I think this team is too good to just allow this season to wither away. And I know that sounds crazy for one that's 5-11, and but look at the playbook. The first move was to waive Jack Campbell. The second one was to make a coaching change. Now the third one has to be trade for a goalie. I just can't envision the Oilers allowing this season and the opportunity that's in front of them to slip away and not do every single thing that they could leave any stone unturned to get a solution. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds crazy. I I still think the Oilers are somewhere between a 55 and 65% chance to make the playoffs. You could probably kiss away a top three spot in the Pacific but I think, given what we were just talking about with the wild card situation, it's eminently doable. And you really need the math. You really need to get to level ground by the midway point of the year. Mm-hmm. If the Oilers got thirty points in their next twenty-four <laughs> games, would that shock you?
1: That'd be what six games above five hundred? No, no, not at all. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's not really. Not, not
2: all. that hard to do.
1: So, uh, and you mentioned, so, so then
2: it means you got to get a goalie. Yeah.
1: What, what is the, like, where are they in that quest? What type of things could they, might they be chasing?
2: Well, I think what they're wrestling with, not, I think, I know what they're wrestling with is. Weighing, From your well-placed sources. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which that was hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know what they're wrestling with is cost versus perceived level of impact because there are all sorts of different levels that you can kind of go after on the goalie front. Do you want an inexpensive vet who you can sort of quasi rely on to right the ship that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg? Do you want... A longer term solution that's a younger guy that you could have start now and into the future? Do you want a high end vet that is going to be really expensive that you can at least maybe put your head on the pillow at night and not have to think about the position? Yeah. Easier said than done because look at the Flames last year with Markstrom. Yep. They had that guy, and I firmly believe the position is straight up voodoo. Yeah. Cool. You have no idea what you're getting night to night, week to week, year to year.
1: The dumbest position in all of professional sports.
2: Mm, outside of a kicker.
1: Yeah, but even then, like I, I feel like you have a pretty good idea as to
2: who the good kickers are.
1: Like it's not yeah, as much as they go
2: over three in a <laughs> NFC championship game, and you're like, come on.
1: That's a good point. Um, that is a fair point.
2: Ask the Buffalo bills how that worked out. Woof. That's, uh, that's painful. I, I that's painful. I know
1: yeah. Scott Norwood. That's, that's painful for, uh, for a lot of people who might be, uh, who might be bills fans. What, uh, what's the latest on Patrick Kane? Uh, I know you just, uh, you just wrote about this, just had some more information drop Florida's name all of a sudden is very high in the mix. What, uh, what are we hearing on Kane and where he might play this year?
2: Well, we're getting really close to go time. I can tell you that. He's wrapped up his training and rehab in Toronto. He's ready to play. And it's been a long road to get to this point, but everyone that I've talked to that has seen him is like incredibly impressed with where he's at. And that's not smoke or lip service. Like They think this guy is ready to step back in with his lateral movement back and be... point per game or north of that as a player in today's game so this is not a just nothing acquisition and this is not hype and the other part of that is he's had a lot of suitors he's had a lot of teams that know they may not have a lot of cap space but they've got opportunity and some of them have an authentic chance to win the stanley cup this year so the teams that he's visited with the Toronto Maple Leafs last Monday before they left for Stockholm. The Detroit Red Wings, the Florida Panthers, the Dallas Stars, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, there's been a whole host of teams that have gone through and 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 met with Patrick Kane because they think he can be a difference maker. It's really hard to handicap. Okay. Everyone's been tight-lipped about this whole process and situation. Did I mention the Buffalo Sabres? No, you didn't, but there's um,
1: th- there's another team, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's his hometown team. Um, the other rival executives that have been paying close attention to this, they believe that the Florida Panthers are currently the frontrunner. Now, take that for what you will. Um, doesn't mean necessarily anything, but – I think they've got a real strong chance. And I think the idea of having someone that can play with Alexander Barkov and think at the same hockey IQ level as him for an offense that has been incredibly dynamic and has carried that team without their top two defensemen in Ekblad and Montour, they might really be the best chance that he has available to him to win the Stanley Cup
1: couple more with our NHL insider Frank Saravalli on Tuesdays from Daily Faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com. First of all, how, how was, uh, how was Stockholm? Was that your first time in the Swedish capital?
2: It was first time in Sweden. And Um, how was it? It was great. It was awesome to get a sense of their culture and how much they love hockey. Uh, I love how much they love coffee and pastries and, it was a really good, busy four days.
1: The thing that I came away with in terms of news from the NHL Global Series was some of the, the details that you were able to ascertain about what we're not calling a World Cup. Is that correct? The, the mm-hmm. NHL's international tournament, whatever that's going to be. What what do we know? What have you found out about what we might see come Feb 2025?
2: Well, it's as you mentioned, it's an international tournament. It's going to be a week long that's not going to be called the World Cup. And part of the reason for that is the world isn't going to be playing. It's going to be a four-team tournament, the U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. So if you're following along, that means no Russia. And part of the reason for that is, as new NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh acknowledged to me, There are federations, and I'm putting in parentheses Sweden and Finland, that have made it clear that they will not participate if Russia is. And so that part kind of helped the NHL along in, in drawing a line in the sand. And that is sort of the gist of the tournament. And then what will follow from that is a once an agreement's in place, the 2026 winter olympics in milan, italy and then a 2028 true world cup of hockey which then will continue rotating every other year between world cup and olympics mm. so that we can finally have international hockey back on the calendar on a more permanent basis. Yeah,
1: regular best on best stuff. So, uh what was your what was your overall reaction to that news and what you were able to dig up. Like when, when you take yourself out of insider mode, put yourself into fan mode, you're uh, Mm -hmm. you're reading Frank Saravalli's details. What was, what's your fan reaction to that?
2: I mean, I think there's some disappointment because you want to see actual best on best and you take a hockey superpower in Russia out of it. That I think leaves you wanting a little bit. And when I say that, like, by no means am I a Russia apologist. Like, you're never going to hear that from me. Yeah. I think this whole geopolitical sphere, it's it influences the game, and rightfully so. Like, there should be repercussions. I think the thing I struggle with is the most, like, 99% of these Russian athletes have nothing to do with it. And you have them being punished – for something that doesn't really, you know, have anything to do with them. Yep. So, I, I mean, I don't want to draw or paint with too broad of a brush, but it's a tough spot for every, it's a tough spot for the NHLPA to be in. I mean, think about it from their perspective. They also represent all of those Russian hockey players. You've got people like Nikita Zadarov, um, who, who has been openly outspoken against Vladimir Putin and Russia. Why does he not get to participate in this tournament? Yep. Like, that hurts. Just based
1: on his passport.
2: Yeah, I I get it. But, like, that's the way the world is now, and and that's okay. Yeah. So what we're going to have is a smaller tournament, and I kind of like the idea of the format, which is the U.S. and Canada will square off in North America, and Sweden and Finland will play each other in Europe. And then the winner of those games will play the loser of the other, which would still enable the possibility of the U.S. and Canada meeting in a final, which take that and inject that right into my veins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think it actually has the
2: fact that he's going to be 26 or 28, I think he's going to be 28 by the time he can put on a team Canada Jersey. Like that's insane. Would, uh,
1: would the World Cup, you may not know this, and so apologies if, if I'm asking for information you don't have, but would the World Cup going forward, so say they do this in Feb 2025, then the following February they're in Milan, and then in 2028 they're back to a World Cup. Is that a February World Cup or is that a September World Cup?
2: It's all likely to be February.
1: Cool. Okay. So they- I can tell
2: you the IHF is not that happy about it because then they have to also contest the World Championships those years And they're saying, well, February is too close to April and May. Right. So that's why this first run of international tournament, this little four-team thing, is only going to include NHL players. So, like, if you are from Sweden and you might be the best player in the Swedish Elite League, doesn't matter. You're not participating. They'd usually be
1: in an Olympics, but because this is NHL only. They could be
2: in the mix. Okay,
1: yeah. Fascinating stuff. Uh, well, I, uh, I'm i curious to see how that story evolves. I'm glad you're back on this side of the pond. I'm glad you enjoyed your time in Stockholm. It was cool. Uh, and, and a couple of your, frankly speakings, uh really interesting stuff uh, coming from your time in Stockholm. So glad you're home safe. Uh, glad, uh, glad we got every world issue solved in the last 25 minutes. Uh, we'll do it again <laughs> yeah, next I, week. Yeah, I don't
2: know about that, but uh, <laughs> we'll
1: see. Talk to you next week. Good stuff, Frankie. Appreciate it, as always. Have a good one. He is Frank Saravalli. He is our NHL insider, Daily Faceoff, DailyFaceoff.com. He joins us, as always, on Tuesdays for South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit selftrailexports.com Yeah, I know all the texts are coming in. Why no Germany? Why no Slovakia? Why no Czechia? I, I fully am aware of that. It's kind of, when you only choose four, there's going to be a few countries that are left out, which... You know, for some guys, I'm sure that they'll be okay having the break and not having to go play overseas or something like that. And for some, I'm sure it'll uh, it'll frustrate them. Wes Gilbert's in here with us as well. My my biggest worry,
0: and worry maybe isn't the right way to put it, but I wonder how many guys in February on really good teams are just going to say, nah, no thanks. You know, I wonder how many starting goalies are, are going to feel a little bit of pressure from their teams to say I'll take the break.
1: Yeah. I I do wonder about that as well, especially knowing that it's four teams and Right. Well, is it really a world cup? Uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious as well. Yeah. I and listen,
0: international hockey, the more we can get of it, the better, but I just don't I just don't know how well this idea is going to fly.
1: Now, a full-on World Cup, sure. Yeah. And back in the Olympics. Back in the Olympics, yeah. That's inject awesome. Inject it right into, my, uh, yeah. into either one of my veins. I'm, well, I have more than one vein. But you know what I mean. Um, Hopefully multiple. Yeah, The ones that they do the IVs. The in. left vein and the right vein. In the arm. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah, I you know you, what I mean. Here. Let's do this instead. Whether you're a fan of sports or just into great deals... Get yourself over to 403 Local. They're the place to be because every time the local hockey heroes are on the ice, whether they're at home or on the road, you're getting the game day specials. Two two beers and a pizza, just 20 bucks. On Sundays, you've got football all day long on all their screens at 403 local 50 cent wings on Sundays and happy hour all day. They also do wings on Wednesday on Monday. It's dry ribs, just five bucks a pound. Also daily happy hour from three to 6 PM lunch specials on weekdays from 1130 till two 30 and 403 locals available for private functions. Visit 403 local in Canyon Meadows or online at 403 local.com.
2: Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Daily Flames Roundtable time on this Tuesday for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 4Matic Coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. Pat Steinberg. And now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our daily Flames round table. And guys, I, I think maybe I'll just quickly uh, ask a, a yes or no question. Flames have gone 5-1-2 and two over their last eight games, and they have dug themselves. You can't dig yourself out of a hole. They've climbed out of the hole that they dug for themselves with a 2-7-1 and one start. Just yes or no uh, around the table, Willsie, you first. With them back in the Western Conference playoff mix and then back in the, the middle of the West, that's kind of that's kind of where we expected them to be, right? No. Where did you have them? Top three in the Pacific. Okay.
0: Wes? I would agree that this is sort of where I anticipated they would be, just not the road to getting there.
1: I, I had them in the mix for a wild card and in the mix for one of the, probably the third spot in the Pacific Division. Now... One of the teams that I had in the first two spots may not even make the playoffs, but that's a different story. Reason I asked that is they are a whole lot. Even if you're a no willsie, They're a whole lot closer to where they want to be, where we thought they would be than they were after that two, seven and one stretch. So that's why I wanted to bring this question up because it was brought up a lot on Flamestock post game, following the overtime win in Seattle. Let's say they remain in the playoff mix and they're fighting for number three in the Pacific, or they're fighting for one of the two wildcard spots and they're, you know, point or two back or point or two up as we move closer to the trade deadline. And these unsigned, unrestricted free agents remain unsigned. Guys, if that's the case, what uh, what should Craig Conroy do? How does Craig Conroy approach that? Well, and just to
3: clarify, when I say that I had them top three in the Pacific, uh, I predicted they would finish third in the Pacific. So there's probably not a big gap between finishing third in the Pacific Division and in one of the two It was, wild such, it was, was such a
1: firm no, I thought you were like, no, you are an idiot. That's what I, I was worried that's what you are thinking.
3: Well, I had them as a playoff team. Yeah. So whether that's top three in the Pacific or in one of the two wild card spots in the West, I I had them as a playoff team. I didn't have them on the outside looking in, which is where they are now, but uh, they're trying to climb out of that hole, as you said. So what does Craig Conroy do? I don't think, regardless of where they are, because I don't think they're going to be fighting for first in the Pacific Division and in the Western Conference like they were a couple of years ago when – Johnny Gaudreau was a pending UFA. I don't think that you can just let things play out with two players in particular, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hennepin. I don't think you can risk losing them for nothing if you're not considered to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, which I think the Flames were a couple of years ago. And sure, you can say in hindsight that, well, you know, they weren't. Uh, They lost – in the second round so they didn't get as far as some thought that they should or could uh but at the time uh, i understood why they didn't trade johnny goodrow two reasons really Uh, number one he was their best player and number two they thought they were going to get a deal done with him and that really went right until the the final hours before he became ufa and and decided to, uh, for some reason, sign to the Blue Jackets, which he probably uh, has some regret over at this point in time. But I don't think you can let your first-line centerman, Elias Lindholm, and a top-three defenseman in Noah Hannafin walk away for nothing in the prime of their careers. I would say a little bit different story with Nikita Zadorov, although I would still be hesitant to let him walk for nothing because I think you could get a good return for him. Chris is a little bit different for me, fellas. Because of his age, I don't think he's going to bring as much in return as the other three guys. So if you were fighting for a playoff spot and you wanted to hold on to him, that makes more sense to me. But I don't think being a team that, with their start, is likely to be fighting for a playoff spot right until the bitter end of everything goes well. I don't think that being in that position allows you to to be okay with letting Lindholm, Hannafin, and maybe Zadorov walk for nothing.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to not let the the standings totally make you lose sight of what the big picture has to be for the Calgary Flames and and I even go back to Craig Conroy's introductory press conference when it it became official that he was getting the general manager's job. He he talked about sort of what you learn when you go through the situation with Johnny Gaudreau and how he didn't want to lose players for nothing in return. And I just think to get caught up in the chase for a playoff spot and risk having valuable assets leave town and not get anything in return would be inexcusable for Conroy. And maybe this conversation changes if the Calgary Flames continue to really clip along the way they have in these last eight games. Like, listen, if you go get three quarters of the possible points out of every eight game span for however long, okay, let's circle back to this. But I think right now we're talking about a team that's best case scenario is fighting for a wild card spot, fighting for a playoff spot that's not going to come with home ice advantage. And I just think to mortgage the future or lose... Or miss your opportunity to cash in some of those assets you have. I, it just wouldn't make any sense for these Calgary Flames.
1: I um I, I I thought a lot about it after the game yesterday on on Monday night, and and not for any other reason other than it started coming up a lot on the text line and in phone calls on Monday, and I just guys, I think first of all, you need to if you're not signing any of the four. I think you need to trade every single one of them, and and even Tanev. Because, yeah, I, I do think that his value may not be as high as it was when he was 28 or 29, but I also think that a team that is especially Tanev, as we move towards the deadline and we're right up around March 8th, a team that looks at hey, we think we've got a chance to win a Stanley Cup, but we could use another shutdown-type defenseman to play hard minutes? Are you telling me that a team like Toronto or a team like Vegas or a team— I'm just—you throw out a Stanley Cup contender or a team that believes that they're in it for the Stanley Cup, And with Tanev's cap it and the ability to eat half of it, I think that they would have teams breathing down their neck to bring that guy in, and you'd be able to get a real good return. Look what Ben Sherratt brought the Montreal Canadiens a couple of years ago. I think you could get a very similar return for a guy like Tanev, uh, even knowing he's a pending UFA. So I, I say that all because... You've got an opportunity if you're not signing any one of these guys, you've got an opportunity to maximize all four. The fact the team is playing better just ups their value when you're talking about a trade and oh well, you might take a little bit of a hit in your competitiveness right now, but you know what else might happen? Maybe it opens up room for a couple of other young players to jump in. Maybe you also bring back in one or two of these trades guys who are NHL-ready younger players, 22, 23-year-olds, who are willing to ju- ready to jump into this Flames roster right away. And maybe they don't. It's not like they've been the most competitive team on the planet to begin with. They're below 500 as we're talking right now. So maybe they remain a pretty competitive team. Nashville got better last year when they traded away Grandland and Eckholm and uh, Nita Ryder and the guys they moved away. They brought in some of their young players. They lasted in the playoff race longer than Calgary did. So I just I, I think that there is a real argument to be made that you make your pragmatic moves with your unrestricted free agents. you bring in young NHLers, picks, prospects, combination thereof. And then let it ride and see how you play. And that doesn't mean you're giving up on this season. It just means you're also making the right decision for the long term of your franchise while also still trying to win hockey games right now.
3: I don't know, guys. If the Flames trade three of their top five defensemen, I'm not saying it not will giving happen. Up on season? But I—I d- I mean if
1: you bring back if you bring back a couple young defensemen, I mean, did Nashville not play better after they traded away all those guys last year?
3: Yeah, but where are they at? They're behind the flames. And do you look at the Predators as a team that has such a, a great prospect pool that there's no way that they're not going to turn into a contender in two, three years?
1: I'm not suggesting that they're an um, apples-to-apples comparison of the Flames. I'm suggesting that their playbook last year was a really good playbook.
3: I, I don't know that I could agree. I, I mean, what do we know about them? They're behind the flames in the standings. I don't think they're a team that's got uh, a tremendous amount of talent.
1: No, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about them. them. I'm not talking about that. Like what they're doing this year is immaterial to what I th- think that they did well last year. They they traded away four pending UFAs for an absolute haul, and for the rest of that season. Played better. What they did after that is immaterial because I think the Flames could do a lot of different things after they make these trades with their pending UFA. So that the only thing I'm comparing is that two or three week span that Nashville went about their business going down the stretch of the trade deadline last year. I right. would, and,
3: and we'll see. We'll see if they got a haul. I mean, that's to be determined. I would say. Uh, I mean, if you're the Flames and you could trade your pending UFAs to bring in not only futures, and when I say that, picks and prospects that aren't NHL-ready, but if you could bring in NHL-ready players, then for me, that's a different conversation. But I think What
1: type of NHL-ready players?
3: Well, and, and that's where I'm going. I think that's difficult to do, because if you're trading with a team that considers themselves to be a Stanley Cup contender, and chances are, if you're trading Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tandem, Nikita Zadorov. Those are the teams interested in those players, right? So, do you think those players are going to give up roster players to get these guys? I doubt it. So, you would probably have to do what the Canucks did last year, and that's acquire futures and then flip those futures yeah. to get someone who can help you now. But you'd have to get other teams involved, whether it be at the time of making that trade, whether it be a three-team tre- trade, or you kind of turn around and do something pretty quickly. Um, and the Canucks didn't really do do that they waited until later in the season so uh, I I just think that we can we can come up with all these plans of how the Flames can stay competitive while trading their number one centerman and three of their top five defensemen but quite frankly guys I just don't see that happening I think you're going to have to go in one direction
1: or the other I just want to uh, I just want to so this is the this is what they did at last year's trade deadline the Predators they got a second round pick for Nita Ryder they got Cal Foote, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, second-round pick, first-round pick for Tanner Jeannot. They got um, Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, first-round pick, and a fourth-round pick for Matthias Eckholm, and they got a second-round pick for Mikhail Granlund. In terms of future assets, I and they did get a haul. Now, what they do with it is, is the next step, but in terms of assets they got in their spot, I, I think that they did very, very well.
0: I think what is important to keep in mind with the the sort of bump that the Predators got at the end of last season because when they did inject some youth in the lineup it was sort of a bonus that they happened to start playing some really good hockey. If you decide as the Calgary Flames that you're going down the road of trading your pending UFAs and we all believe they're headed that direction, you just can't make those trades based on remaining competitive this season. And and that That's the only thing I would harp on is don't if you think that the package that's maybe prospects and picks is better than what the package might look like with NHL ready players in it. Forget about this year. Don't make those trades with it even in the back of your mind that we're trying to stay competitive this year. If you're cashing in those chips for future. Take the best deals you can get looking at.
1: And Wilsie, just before you jump in, this is the type of deal that that is is rattling around my brain. So so say, say that the Flames decide to they're they're not going to re-sign Noah Hannafin. I think that you'll have 31 NHL teams at the very least interested in Hannafin, not just the contending teams. So think of it, I I think there will be just as many teams who are playoff fringe teams, younger teams trying to get to the playoffs again. Detroit, uh, Buffalo, Anaheim, those are three teams that come to mind right away that I think would be very interested. We already heard Arizona was all over uh, Hannafin as well. So there's four examples of younger teams that are trying to take that next step and get back to the postseason. So this one just kicked around in my head because he's a Calgary kid. I think Anaheim and Noah Hannafin would be a really good fit. I think that you would be able to see Hannafin signing an extension there. That team feels like they are pointed in the right direction, even though they not might not be ready yet. What if you could get a first-round pick and... A player and I say this because he's a Calgary kid but Olin Zellweger is a second round pick of the Ducks going back to 2021. He is almost a point per game defenseman in the American League right now. You talk to people with the Ducks, they believe he's NHL ready but he's buried on a depth chart right now so there is a 20 year old young defenseman who's NHL ready now or damn close to being NHL ready. He comes in, jumps into your lineup and now he's in your everyday top six so you get a young player and you get a first round pick Hannafin goes to Anaheim and signs an extension there like that's the type of trade I think that this team could absolutely make good on
3: Pat if they can make that deal I would make it right now because you're probably getting a top 10 pick and a good prospect I don't think the Ducks are going to do that I think they'd be crazy to do that quite frankly uh m- maybe I'm wrong maybe maybe they can make that type of trade but you know what's bonkers for me I'm still trying to figure out what the Flames are. Are they the team that is five, one, and 5-1-2 in their last eight, or are they the team that lost six in a row? Because prior to them losing six in a row, they wanted to sign at least two of these pending UFAs, if not three or all four of them. So is that completely off the table? I mean, I'm trying to read the tea leaves here, and it kind of sounds like regardless of what happens, they are kind of headed towards some type of retool. Um, but is it completely off the table that they could keep one or two of these guys? Are we at that stage now? Because th- nobody's talking about signing anybody anymore.
1: I know. I thought, I thought Zadorov might be in that mix. And now that does feel like it's off the table for perhaps other reasons. Does it not? Like that one, that yeah. one felt like a guy like, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they could keep you know, trade some of the other guys. Zadorov stays. I don't know. Wilsey. I, I, I I don't necessarily think it's fully off the table, but it does feel more likely that it goes the other way. If, if to use your term, you're reading tea leaves.
3: Yeah. And I mean, for me, I just can't quite wrap my head around it. If you're making major organizational decisions based on a six game span, you're probably not doing it right. In in my opinion. And I know that there are plenty of people out there, probably more than not who are saying, We've had enough of being in the murky middle and we've got to do something different, which is fine if they go down that road, but you've got to make sure you, you do the right thing, not just a thing. So do you want to keep Elias Lindholm, who is the first number one centerman you've had in what, two decades, or do you want to trade him? But does he want to stay? Does Noah Hannafin still want to stay? I mean, for me, there are so many questions that still need to be answered. And one of them is, who are the Flames? Are they the team we've seen the last couple of weeks? Or are they, are they the team that, that really struggled to start the season? And if, if they're the team that lost six in a row, if that's who they really are, then I think you definitely need to retool. But if they're the team that's gone 5-1-2 and two in their last eight, and that appears to be trending in the right direction, and – the team that a lot of people thought after a, a down season last year was going to bounce back and be a contender again this year, then I don't think you should blow the whole damn thing up.
1: What if they are the team that has played the last 100 games, 18 games this year, 82 games last year, and they're just kind of a middle of the pack team? Yeah, in the middle.
3: Yeah, yeah no, I know. It's 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 going to be really tough for Craig Conroy, I'm sure, because I'm, I'm sure that he's torn, even if uh, – he has a pretty clear idea of where he wants to take this team. Uh, it's not like they're so bad that you're like, well, we, we just have to, to tear it down to the studs, Yeah. right? They're not. Yeah. And I, I said when they were losing that I thought they were better than what they were showing, and now we're starting to see that team. And I, I don't know, guys. I think they've got quite a bit of talent. They don't have the generational talent that some teams around them do, but hey, the team up north has at least two generational players, and where are they? six points beyond the Flames in the standings. They've, uh, they've sent their goaltender that they just signed to a $25 million deal two summers ago down to the AHL. They fired a coach who had, what, the best winning percentage in franchise history? I, I mean, holy smokes. <laughs> I, I just I don't know what the Flames are, and it certainly looks like they're, they're pointing in the redirection, not of a rebuild, I don't think, but of a retool. I just think yeah, you have to be very careful when when you decide what path to go down and, and how to go down that path.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, um that was a fun conversation. When I when I sent you the topics earlier, I was like, yeah, decent chance that we just hit on the one topic. So we got a good topic for tomorrow as well. When we uh, when we hit the Flames, uh, the Daily Flames Roundtable. God, we'll 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 get into some uh, more uh, minuscule things or little picture things rather coming up on Wednesday's edition. As of right now, Flames five one and two in their last eight games. Willsey, good stuff. We will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, man. Okay, guys, have a good night. He is Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. He's Wes Gilbertson. That's your Daily Flames roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, the GLC 300 formatic matic Coupes built for winter, loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease, zero down for 1,999 a month, no payments until 2024.